the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Hello, everyone. This is Al Fadi, and with me here virtually in our studios, our dear brother Michael Jones, when we've been really talking about issues related to uh, the uh, effect of Islam versus the effect of Christianity on certain topics. The first of those topics that we've addressed in multiple episodes had to do with child marriage. And I think we have proved without a shadow of a doubt, just scientifically speaking, that it is a terrible practice. Today, we're going to turn our attention into another practice that Islam promotes, which is polygamy. And I want to start by saying the following. As a Muslim, I always, a former Muslim, I should say, when I lived as a Muslim, I believed that the God of the Bible is the God of Islam. Yet, one of the things that uh, caught my attention is that the God of the Bible in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, which our Lord Jesus Christ himself confirmed in Matthew chapter 19, verses 1 to 9, affirmed that marriage is between a male and a female, and both of them will be together as one flesh. And here's what it says. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and cleave or be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So how can a husband and a wife become one flesh if you have a husband allowed to marry second and third and fourth wife, at least that's the interpretation of the passage in the Quran. And in fact, some will say it doesn't really limit you to four because it can allow you to marry even more than four as some in Africa do. All that to say is that this is a clear violation between what the Bible or the God of the Bible teaches versus what the God of Islam teaches. With me here to address the biblical side of things, at least as an intro to this topic of polygamy, again, uh, with us here is our dear brother, Michael Jones, with Inspiring Philosophy. Michael, thank you again for joining us, and thank you for the wonderful research that you do. Brother, tell us a little bit more from a biblical standpoint. I gave a hint already about what the scripture teaches uh, concerning the topic of polygamy. Yeah, so the common claim is that there's polygamy in the Bible, and therefore it's it's okay. Well, that's confusing descriptions with permissions. The Bible tolerated a lot of sin of the prophets. We know from, for example, uh, Genesis 9, Noah gets drunk and curses his grandson, never permitted by God. Abraham tries to allow his wife to be taken by Pharaoh, Genesis 13 or 12, I believe. Again, not permitted by God. So there's this 
idea that just because something in the Bible happens, that doesn't mean it's permitted by God. God often tolerated the sin of David, tolerated the sin of the patriarchs. Even so, they when they were polygamous, that doesn't mean God was necessarily permitting their polygamy. And when we go to the New Testament, we see no idea that polygamy is ever permissible. Uh, if you go to places like, for example, 1 Corinthians 7, Ephesians 5, in the book of 1 Timothy as well, it seems like the only marriages that are ever going to be allowed are heterosexual monogamous marriages. Uh, this is kind of clear in 1 Corinthians 7, that the, the husband's body belongs to the wife. The wife's right. body belongs to the husband. How could the husband have his body belong to multiple women? That just doesn't make sense. And so the only marriages that were ever allowed in the early church were monogamous ones. And this is what they got from Scripture. That is true. And also to support what you just said, look what the Scripture says, for instance, in Acts chapter 17, starting uh, from, I'm going to read verse 29. This is Paul preaching at the Arabagus, by the way, to the Athenians, making the case, by the way, about sin in the past and ignorance, technically speaking. It says this about God. Therefore, since we are the descendants of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by human skill and thought. So having overlooked, look what he said about God. So, Having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now proclaiming to mankind that all people everywhere are to repent. So uh, this supports what you said. God may have overlooked certain ignorant behaviors by David, by Abraham, by others, even prophets, technically speaking, not just uh, anyone, or kings. That doesn't mean God was endorsing it. That doesn't mean God was commanding it. That doesn't mean God was is the one who is ordering these behaviors, as in the case of Muhammad, technically speaking, or the case of the Quran. So it's huge distinction between the two behaviors and the two practices. Go ahead, brother. Yeah, well, not only that, if we go into the Old Testament, we might very well see polygamy outlawed. We just don't realize it because we don't understand the cultural context. So we know Genesis 2.24, a man shall leave his father and mother, the two shall become one flesh. That's very much saying then that God's ideal state is just monogamy, man and woman. But if we go to Leviticus 18.18, we read this, and you shall not take a woman as a rival wife to her sister, uncovering her nakedness while her sister is still alive. Now that's been traditionally understood as you cannot marry a woman's sister. So if you're going to marry another woman, it can't be your sister. However, in the cultural context, some scholars have noted uh, uh, like, for example, Angelo Tassato in his uh, paper, The Law of Leviticus 1818 Reexamination, that may not be what it means. It may be saying you can't take another wife. So in the Hebrew, the, the phrase is oh, literally a woman to her sister. And a similar phrase happens in Hebrew, a man to a brother, man to his brother. And it often remains, or typically remains, not his literal brother, but just another. So it's like a, it's like a Hebrew expression to say another man. Well, if you see a similar Hebrew phrase, a woman to her sister, it very likely just means another. So Tessio notes that the phrase is basically saying you can't take another wife. It'll be a rival sister wife. You can only have one wife. This is God's ideal state, as we see in Genesis chapter 2. So Tessio puts this out, and other scholars have picked it up and also have argued this, which is basically the idea that God is basically saying in Leviticus 18.18, the ideal state of marriage is you should only really have one wife. You should not take another woman, a rival sister wife. That's right. And, and, you know, again, to support what you're saying, Jesus says, what God joined together, let no man set asunder or separate. 
And meaning, how are you going to separate a man from a wife? Uh, the context was divorce. Uh, so in God's eye, they are still together. So even divorce means that you've separated something that God did not intend. And now if he marries another woman, there is a problem with this behavior. If the divorce wasn't justified, at least biblically speaking, there are two cases where you can say the divorce, at least in these cases, is justified. But that doesn't mean it's just right off the bat you divorce. No, you still need to go through the process of forgiveness and healing and reconciliation. And you do all these kind of things, if possible, before you just jump into divorce as your first course of action. On top of this, Paul uses this example also about the covenant uh, between God and his people, technically speaking, and saying that if a spouse dies, then that marriage covenant now has been uh, nullified because there is no husband involved or no wife involved. In other words, the person is free now. Notice it's only death that gave that freedom. Before that, in the eyes of God, marriage is something that is sacred. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you go to First Corinthians 7, uh, a lot of times I'll see Muslims say that, you know, Christianity has been corrupted by modern liberalism. It, you, you're actually more like Islam. But that, that's just not true. Secularism is actually, as scholars will notice, it's an offshoot of Christian values. It was uh, non-Christians trying to take Christian values and make a secular world without it. Uh, but a lot of what they get, they stole from Christianity, like equality, for example. Paul in 1 Corinthians 7 says, for a wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his body, but the wife does. This was very radical in the ancient world. Paul is saying that the wife has authority over the husband's body. That's a quality right there. And this is what we see come out of later secular cultures that try to take values from Christianity. They're taking a quality that they got from Christianity and then trying to have it without the religious connotations, which I don't think is going to work. But this generally shows that Christianity was very much promoting equality very early on in marriages. It's not this idea that the wife is the property of the husband. It's that you both belong to each other. She has authority over you just as you have authority over her. Uh, You're both equal in Christ, as Galatians 3 says as well. So we see this very much this idea that uh, Christianity is promoting this idea that women should be treated equally. And that should just lead to the idea that polygamy is just outright wrong, which is what the early church was teaching pretty early on. No, you cannot be polygamous because your wife has authority over you and you have authority over her. This needs to be a monogamous relationship. This needs to be a lifelong. This is what historians like Tom Holland, not the actor, but the historian Tom Holland notes in his book Dominion, is that early Christians, uh, bishops, priests, priests, were stepping on the toes of patriarchs everywhere. They were basically saying, you now need to be equal to your wife. You need to treat her as an equal. You just can't go run around and sleep with whoever you want, have multiple wives. You belong to her in a very special relationship. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, Next time when we come back, uh, Michael, um, what do you plan on talking about concerning polygamy? Well, we talked about how Christianity is vehemently opposed to polygamy in the New Testament and even in places in the Old, even though it was descriptive at times. It got allowed for the sin of the patriarchs at certain times. So we see that. But then we'll talk about the actual science behind polygamy, all the negative consequences. Islam allows for for polygamy. Christianity outlaws it. And this, again, the science aligns with Christianity's moral status on this, that it should be outlawed because it leads to all sorts of harmful outcomes for women involved and even their offspring. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you so much, uh, Michael. And thank you, everyone, for joining us here. Until next episode on the topic of polygamy as compared between 
Islam and Christianity. Everyone, have a blessed day. Thank you for listening. We'll be right back after this message. You're listening to Let Us Reason with Al Fadi. We depend on the generous gifts of our supporters to produce this program. To join us in this work, go to patreon.com and search for CIRA International. That's C-I-R-A International. You can also donate through PayPal. Go to CIRAInternational.com to learn more. Your support will help us continue introducing Muslims to the gospel of Christ. Now, back to Let Us Reason. Hello, everyone. I want to welcome you back to a continuation of this video series on the topic of polygamy, which is under the umbrella of our bigger title uh, about the effects of Islam and Christianity on certain topics or the harm of Islamic teaching concerning certain topics versus the benefits of Christian uh, Christianity and, uh, you know, a biblical teaching concerning those topics. Of course, the topic right now has to do with polygamy. And last time, myself and my guest, um, Michael Jones, we gave an overview from a biblical standpoint concerning the topic of polygamy. Today, we're going to talk about the health or the negative health impact from a scientific standpoint, from a scientific research concerning polygamy. Michael, again, welcome back, brother. Thank you so much for your wonderful work. And what do you have to tell us about the science behind polygamy or the research, scientific research, and its finding concerning polygamy? Well, Christianity is vehemently opposed to polygamy. Islam allows for polygamy. The science supports Christianity's moral stance on this. Recently, there were two meta-analysis published in 2020 and 2021. Now, a meta-analysis is a top-tier research. It looks at all of the studies on a subject, and it finds the overall general trends among multiple studies. And it does it mathematically calculates the results. So we had two meta-analysis on polygamy done back-to-back, and that's pretty good. And they both found very, very similar results. So the first one is prevalence of mental health problems in women in polygamous versus monogamous marriages, a systematic review and meta-analysis. They note that women in polygamous marriages are more likely to have somatization, obsession, compulsion, interpersonality, interpersonal sensitivity, depression, anxiety, hostility, phobic anxiety, paranoid ideation, psychoticism, and global severity index. So they suffer from all these different mental issues in these relationships. Uh, For those who don't know, something like somatization, that's where you have, uh, you feel like you have, you're sick, but you can't be diagnosed with anything. You feel like you have pain somewhere, you have a condition, but nothing is coming up in any sort of MRI scan or any sort of uh, research. That's somatization. So we see that happen. We see women developing all these different problems from being in polygamous relationships. So it's incredibly harmful for women. It should be it should be abolished worldwide as just like child marriage should be. I see. I see. So uh, w- what else does the science say uh, concerning uh, the harm of polygamy, for instance? And uh, what are their recommendations when it comes to an area like this? Well, let's talk a little bit more about this study. One of the things they say, for example, is that a lot of the women in this, in these relationships, the first wife develops something called first wife syndrome. That's where they develop all sorts of mental issues from being the first wife and being jealous of the younger second wife. Because typically when a man gets a second wife, he gets a younger wife. Uh, And so what they say, for example, is that a lot of these women in these relationships, they say findings from various research studies demonstrate that first wives were susceptible to depression, somatization disorders, and other uh, uh, psychopathological issues. What the things they notice, they say the family functioning of women in polygamous marriages is enhanced as women in these communities consider their communities, families, and group identities. 
Persons conceal their personal goals and their behavior is governed by their admiration, dedication, and compliance to the system of the tribe, the extended family, and the principles of their traditional culture or religion. Consequently, these kinds of suppression or concealment of personal identity have been shown to result in mental issues. So women in these relationships feel like they lose personal identity. They lose a sense of themselves, and their identity is therefore found in their larger family or community. And they don't really like that. It leads to all these horrible consequences. So that's what we tend to see in these relationships. Now, when I cite this paper, Muslims will read it and they'll go, but it also reports that women in polygamous marriages report higher self-esteem and life satisfaction. Uh, and they 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 highlight on, they jump on that. They go, but the women have, seem to have higher life satisfaction. Problem. That you can't measure life satisfaction beyond just what the women are telling you. There's no way to measure life satisfaction. You can't you can't use some sort of way to sort of measure that. So mm-hmm. the women are just reporting that. Now, many years ago, like 20 years ago, when I was diagnosed with major depressive disorder, uh, I was telling my psychiatrist I was happy. I have I was perfectly fine, but he still diagnosed me with depression. Well, if you would have asked me, I wouldn't have said I was depressed. I would have said I, I'm doing great in life. That seems to be what we've seen with a lot of these women. They report their high self-esteem. They report they have like high life satisfaction, even though they are developing all these mental issues. Like again, depression, obsession to compulsion, somatization, anxiety, hostility, phobic anxiety. So, you know, you could get a room full of people that have Stockholm syndrome. They're all going to report they're happy. That doesn't mean they actually are mentally capable of living functioning healthy lives they're actually suffering from all sorts of mental issues even though they may not notice it that is correct that's correct and of course uh, i, I uh, myself was studying counseling and you're right you go through a series of questions behavior analysis to determine if someone is going through a mental health issue it's not what the person is telling you for instance you deal with addicts they are going to tell you life is just fine, you know, there is no problem, but they're going to be in denial because one of the rules, by the way, of uh, counseling or in this case, psychological uh, analysis or treatment is that unless you as a patient acknowledge that you have a problem, you're not going to be able to resolve that problem or heal from that problem. Why? Because you're not really meeting the analysis face-to-face. You're not agreeing with the assessment. You're not really working with your uh, professional counselor or doctor in this case until you acknowledge. Then you'll begin to respond to the treatment given to you. And uh, even sometimes a treatment as simple as changing behavior sometimes. It's not about medications. It's not about, uh, you know, uh, surgery. It's not about things. No, it's just a change of med- uh, behavior, change of environment, trying to, you know, sometimes people need to own the problem. Just by owning a problem, you begin to uh, think about ways to resolve that problem because now you know, okay, I'm behind the problem, like in merit, uh, marital issues. Uh, usually one spouse is not trying to own the problem. It's always like the other spouse is being blamed. And in the case of polygamy, of course, you, it makes you wonder how a husband can deal with multiple marital problems, not just one person, but maybe that's mm-hmm. for a different discussion. Uh, yeah. So well, go yeah, ahead. There was, a, yeah. there was another meta-analysis published the following year called Psychological Impacts of Polygamous Marriage on Women and Children, a Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis. They know that, yeah, women suffer from all these issues, but also also the children in polygamous marriages uh, also suffer from issues. So they noted, again, that women in these in the according to Table 4, they know women in polygamous marriages 
have higher rates of somatization, obsessive compulsive behavior, interpersonal personal sensitivity, depression, anxiety, hostility, phobia, paranoia, psychoticism. Same issues show up. But they also know, they say uh, on page eight, they say that in the Negev, the women they studied, 58% of polygamous wives had low self-esteem. So in this other meta-analysis, they're actually reporting that women in these polygamous marriages actually were reporting low self-esteem yeah, from their marriages. But not only that, the children were suffering from uh, effects. They're comparing children in polygamous marriages versus monogamous marriages. Children in polygamous marriages had lower academic achievements, lower uh, 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 they had lower issues when it came they, they had more issues when it came to schooling. So they basically pointed out. That no, not only do women suffer in polygamous marriages, but also the children suffer. Uh, it's far better for a child to grow up in an uh, environment where they have one father and one mother, and the father doesn't have multiple wives. Right. It's common sense, isn't it? I mean, uh, <laughs> you would think uh, that that would be more healthy for the children. I mean, you need a father in your life. And sadly, there is a lot of research that proves that the absence of a fatherhood in any marriage or any family can create a lot of problems. Uh, you know, uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, one obvious one is the model a father can have before his, let's say, male children, at least, how to be a leader in the house, how to uh, live a healthy marriage, how to raise your children, how to work ethically, and so on and so forth. If you're absent, you know, from your family, even, you know, let's use this, uh, businessmen sometimes struggle uh, to keep a marriage healthy because they travel a lot. I mean, they're not married to a second wife, they're just traveling a lot. And sadly, sometimes even travel and separation can result in extramarital affairs and all that can uh, you know, problems and baggages that come with that. So uh, there's mm-hmm. a lot of common sense things here, obviously, when it comes to the impact or the negative impact of polygamy on children, the health of the marriage, and so on and so forth. What else, brother, uh, you would like to share with us maybe in the next minute or two? Yeah. Well, again, the meta-analysis notes, again, numerous problems for women in these relationships. The children, it's a little less robust because they had less studies to go on. But they do know that children of these marriages will have a huge disadvantage in their education and increased school dropouts. Dropping out of school is always going to be harmful for anybody. Uh, it's far better to stay in school, get an education. We see just across the board constantly shows that people that do have better life achievements. They do better in life. But polygamy, it, you're going to have a slight increase for children leading to lower uh, achievements in school and more likely to have dropouts. So we sh- would we should expect that it'd be best for a child to grow up in a relationship with monogamous parents. And so again, polygamy is just outright wrong. It, it leads to all these moral problems. Why wouldn't we want to outlaw it if we care about women and children? It just should make sense. It, polygamy only serves men. It only serves patriarchal norms, this idea that men should have as much women as they want for their own sexual gratification. And you turn women into property. You set aside the, the well-being of your children. And this is why it's wrong in Christianity. And this is what we see coming out of the New Testament. Whereas in Islam, they allow for polygamy, and it doesn't lead to good consequences. Uh, and so furthermore, it should also be noted that right now, for every 100 uh, women, there's 102 men globally. And Bart Ehrman, historian, notes that throughout history, this seems to be the norm. There's always been more men than women. So why would we even allow for polygamy when there's not even enough women to go around for all the men right now? Or historically, there's always been more men than women. So polygamy really is greed. It's lust. It doesn't come from any sort of social benefits. All these women need taken care of because there's no men to take care of them. That's just false. 
there's always been, for the most throughout history, more men than women. So there's no reason for polygamy from any sort of pragmatic uh, standpoint. Wonderful, brother. Thank you so much. And uh, I'm eager, of course, to know uh, what can we talk about um, in the near future when we continue, of course, with our episodes. Uh, are we still going to stay with the polygamy or you want to venture into the political uh, arena and comparing Islam to Christianity? Well, that's a good segue because polygamy leads to political instability and increased war and conflict. And people don't realize this connection. Uh, so polygamy actually has uh, far-reaching consequences beyond how it affects women and children. That is interesting. And I myself is eager to uh, know more about the scientific research findings in areas like that. I've always wondered uh, if many of those, uh, um, let's call them the young jihadis, suicide bombers and others who sacrifice their lives, if they came from also stable uh, families or uh, families where you have one man and one woman, one father and one mother, or if it was a polygamous relationship that caused the children pretty much to be influenced by other uh, leaders and uh, um, drew them into committing acts like this. Thank you, as always, uh, brother. Thank you for your wonderful research. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We welcome your comments, and we welcome your interactions with us. We will do our best to have some of these research, uh, uh, links to these research available in the uh, uh, basically the description box, but feel free to communicate with us myself and also Brother Michael at his channel, Inspiring Philosophy. Until next episode, everyone have a blessed day. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.